Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point Process online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Okay, so we are back. And um, what is new and exciting in your world today, Greg Hemmings? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so much interesting things happening. Um, you know, last week we were talking to Zach Melanson from, from uh, Community Force International. And I think it's really exciting that we had something to do with helping uh, get their film uh, ready for National Geographic. And uh, uh, so, you know me. That's really exciting. Now, the other interesting thing is, oh, my gosh, Dave, I've got so many neat little documentaries in development. Yeah. One of them has to do with this legendary scientist uh, that's been doing Amazon work for well over 40 years. He's got the longest lasting climate change um, study on Earth. His name is Tom Lovejoy. He literally coined the, the term biodiversity. It just just put let that sink in for a second. Really? Um, anyhow, he's uh, he's friends with my friend from uh, Baltimore named George, uh, who we actually interviewed on The Boiling Point a number of years ago. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, tomorrow uh, I'm going to be speaking um, uh, to him in Baltimore to talk about taking that film to the next level. And the transition here the segue, is I knew we are calling, we are calling right now from St. John, New Brunswick, from The Boiling Point Podcast, uh, Center of the Universe, back down to Baltimore today to bring in our latest amazing guest, Dan. Dan, welcome to the boiling point, my friend. How are you? I'm great. I'm freezing. I'm follically challenged in Baltimore today, and it's like <laughs> minus five. But other than that, I'm doing well. And, How are you, boy? Hey, we're doing well. And you're used to the West Coast experience, so I, I, I know. You know what happened to me was I lived in Vancouver for a number of years. I come to uh, St. John, New Brunswick, um, to start a company with a friend. Um, my friend who's lived here for a number of years said there's one or two snow days a year, Dave. And I believed him, and the first year, I've never <laughs> seen so much snow in my life. And right now, I, I believe it's minus 18 degrees Celsius here. So <laughs> you're in a good place in terms of, uh, you know, being warm compared to us, Dan. So, <laughs> but we're we're really excited to talk to you. And I, you know, you you've, you're an author. Um, you've got some some really kind of an interesting background. And what we typically do when we bring a guest on is we let them introduce themselves because otherwise we just we just don't do a very good job. So or or, or, or we get last names wrong. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Um, Pontefract. Pretty good. I Ooh, mean, I've okay. uh, I've been on, in keynotes in Paris where they screwed it up so bad they turned the last five letters of my name into an F bomb. Ah! Oh, so he, he we, well we, we won't do we won't do that. Yeah, so so, so yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Sure. Uh, Dan Pontefract, 
last name in Latin means broken bridge. So ultimately, I'm trying to be the antithesis of my last name. I'm trying to build bridges, <laughs> gentlemen. I love it. That's my, that's my gig. That, that, that um, unfortunate first family that had to be dubbed that. Oh, here comes here comes the bridge breakers. Great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Damn you, English Latin folks. Um, I've been in the, the work world for 25 years now, so I'm a 47-year-old duckling. And, and really my shtick is I need, I need the organizations of this world to operate better from a culture, leadership, engagement perspective. I think what, what leaders and organizations are serving up is just utter crap, and we need to do better. I've spent basically a quarter of a decade in organizations trying to help that organization be better from, from those uh, kind of pillars. And, and now, this past December, I decided to go out on my own and carry the gauntlet and the torch as a solopreneur uh, with my books and my speaking and my consulting and trying to just, you know, change one company and organization at a time, my friend. How, well, can we start there? Like, tell us about the leap. Because you're talking to two entrepreneurs who I don't know if you I I, I never really I've never worked for in a corporate environment. No, I mean um, I I'm, worked on a cruise ship once. <laughs> so so <laughs> we have we have a completely opposite experience. We're just but you know I'm always fascinated when I when I hear someone saying you know I I just decided to to get out for all these reasons and I know it's I know it's relatively early but how you know what's what how are you feeling right now how what's the experience been like. Well, the good news is that the the three goats that Denise and I are raising, which affectionately are our children, are not out busking or looking for food stamps yet. So that's good news. Um, but it's uh, I'm a bit I, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm released. I'm unshackled. I, at times, I think I'm unfettered to say whatever the hell I want now. Um, so it's like you feel free when you work for. Yeah, when you work for large multinational corporations like I have, whether they are, you know, $14 billion TELUSes of this world or, you know, $35 billion SAPs of this world, um, I loved it. But at the same time, you know, you have corporate shackles because you can't quite say everything that you mean. Otherwise, you'll either be fired or uh, you'll cause harm to the organization's reputation. And I decided to say to myself, look, you're writing books and you're helping people already. Why not just be Dan, that guy who can help rather than Dan, the guy from TELUS or Dan, the guy from SAP and so on. Well, good for you. I mean, that's, yeah, it's a bold, it's a courageous move. It's a bold move. And, and I'm glad to hear the, the goats aren't busking. So that's good. <laughs> Cheat, you're a, no, and you were, and just before we get into your, your, your book and stuff, but I just, I love this title um, that you've since relinquished, I guess, but Chief Envisioner. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. What, what is that? What is that? That's like, I'm, I don't think what? I've ever heard that. Uh, we made up a word, so we confuse guys like you and say, John, it's like, yeah, just make up a word, see yeah. what happens. No one will know. I love it. What does he do? Does he sprinkle pixie dust and make magic? Is he David Copperfield in the West he, Coast? What he envisions. Happens? He has envisions. He envisions. Well, and that's actually it. it. It stems from the word envision. So what I uh, purported to do for the past five years, and prior to that, I was the chief learning officer, so we can go laugh at that title uh, next if you like. The CLO. So as a... As a as a chief envisioner, I helped organizations envision a different culture, a different organization. And our team was tasked with working with corporate clients of TELUS 
to uh, stir the pot a little bit up. But usually they'd have issues with, let's say, you know, teamwork or customers, like, you know, how they treat customers or internal processes to do performance management or leadership development or what have you. So a little bit of an instigator, uh, but also someone clearly who could catalytically change the way in which the organizations operate. And I just basically took that dog and pony show as a solopreneur and said, it's time to time to do that just as me. Well, what, what a gift in a way. Like uh, I work in the television and film uh, industry and Many of the producers that are doing really well in uh, Canada and the U.S. had years of previous experience working for the networks, like working on the inside. Mm-hmm. And they had no film school experience before that or didn't train for it or necessarily had a passion for it. But they learned and got equipped and created the networks as a result of working for the Giants. And that's something I clearly have never had the opportunity to do. But what a cool thing for you to be able to hack that experience and be able to say, you know, thank you. It's been good. Now it's time for me to fly with this on my own, even though it's, it's always been yours, this knowledge and this way. But uh, I think this, that's a real positive impact about working for the, the giants. Uh, w- would you agree with that? I would actually. Yeah. That's a, it's an interesting anecdote because although I've published three books in total, they might've sold maybe 50,000 copies. And that's not really my point. My point is, Everyone keeps telling me to go write another book. This one focused on how you build up sort of your internal army through an external network by doing the things that you did inside a company to then only graduate from it and then go out on your own. So people oh want my. that book. They, yeah. And I'm like, oh, actually, maybe that would sell more than the other three. I stars. think that full, that full <laughs> run-on sentence should be the title of the book. Like, honestly, I think it would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It would, go, it would go across the spine to the back page. Because people, you can, you can people just, you know, they got to look at this book. It's like, what is it? How does what it end? This? How does it end? Well, well, well speaking of books, let, let's talk about um, Open to Think. Open to Think, The Purpose Effect. Oh, and Flat. These are the three books, but, and, oh, The Flat Army. Sorry. Sorry, Dan. I just disrespected the title of your book. What's one of the books that we want to talk about today, or all three of them? in a way just to kind of shake people up in their, in their thinking. Most of our listeners are entrepreneurs, uh, so I yeah. think any one of the three of them would be uh, valuable. And, and, Dan, we think that. We don't actually know No, we've that. got statistical data. <laughs> we, we, I just want to out us right now. We, Greg always we, says we, this. We wish that. And, and, like, yeah. No, not necessarily, man. I mean, gosh. But, but there are some would certainly fit that category. But there's other people that are open to thinking, too. That yes, I think that is true. Interested. I actually think there was a typo in the book title. I think it was supposed to be called Open to Drink, and it was for all the East Coasters. Ah, yeah. Well, that is uh, what I read with my eyes crossed. (laughs) (laughs) That would be very popular with Greg and I, especially. Um, So so maybe that'll be book five, Open to Drink. So Open to Think is uh, really a, a, it's an analysis and an abomination on how we operate today in our day-to-day lives. We're, We're way too frenetic. We're stressed. We're overly busy. We're just constantly on doing. And my argument and what I've seen is that we need a return to pausing and ideation and marinating in the moment and actually having some reflection and dream time. And that just makes better decisions, which then makes better actions. But what's happened, boys, is that, you know, because of technology, because we thought technology would help us alleviate some of the stress in our lives and outsource, you know, the 
uh, processes of doing things. It's actually the complete opposite. And stress levels are through the roof. People are drinking way more, ultimately. And we're getting fatter. So how is this all good for society? Well, it's not. So I have some solutions in the book, but that's really the premise of it. Can we can we hear a few? Well, drink more, obviously. But um, <laughs> I thought that the, was, uh, I thought that was uh, one of the one of the one of the symptoms. I know uh, irony is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you survived um, and tell us. Come on, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> so what, when I do some executive coaching, for example, with you know mid-level senior leaders, I often ask them to open up their calendar, you know, Google Calendar, Outlook, whatever, and it's a can I swear in this show? Of course, um, please do. It's a shit show. It's an absolute gong show. Because what you see Monday to Friday is meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, after meeting right? And, and there's no time that they build into their calendar to just pause and to like process or actually do stuff. And, and every meeting seems to be 60 minutes or 30 minutes. So no one has like a 20-minute meeting with a 10-minute breather or a 45-minute meeting with a 15-minute breather. No one has me time on Friday afternoons. No one has, okay, start the day analyzing with 45 minutes to yourself and end the day with 45 minutes to yourself. No one puts in fitness time. Like, I can go on, boys. So, and no one's using color coding. One of my other pet peeves, right? Everything is like yellow. Nothing is actually. That's another story altogether because that means people are disorganized. So when you see a calendar of an executive or a leader of any sort and it's just chock-a-block of meetings, that's part of the crisis. And... And I think there's this, I know there's a better way. I know people do it better. And uh, one way is to take time for yourself. I, I am so happy we're talking about this. And, uh, you know, Dave uh, has been my executive coach uh, over the years because uh, that's what Dave does as a profession. And I've been bitching about this, Dave, since the day we met. Um, and you it's, know what's it's interesting? A, it's, it's a calendar it, and it's an inbox. It's a calendar yeah. and an inbox issue. Yeah. and the uh, But that's not the issue. Again, that's a symptom. What I find, Dan, which is interesting, is um, I just I, I just started listening to the Tim Ferriss episode with the uh, author Greg something that just wrote Essentialism that book. Uh, thank yep. you, thank you. And um, I, I I got I downloaded the audio book as well, but I'm listening to Tim Ferriss's interview first before I, I, I check out the book. And it's just about n- being graceful in the way you can say no. And um, I said my first no yesterday. It was it was a very big no. I was going down a a path to uh, produce uh, a larger budget feature film uh, scripted, which is not in my wheelhouse. It is something I'm interested in learning, but I started going down a path that was expending so many hours that I, w- my heart wasn't into. And I actually had to tell the person who wrote the script that I was going to collaborate with, I had to say no. Um, not because the script was bad or the person was not a right fit. It's just my life is not mine anymore until I learn how to say no. So how much is that part of this is us entrepreneurs, we're always looking for opportunities and we'd hate to see a door that's open for us not to walk through it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I think it's a common issue. I think you have to have confidence in yourself to say no. And that's the bigger issue, mm-hmm. right? When when we say yes to everything, it's because if we're an entrepreneur, we are you know, beholden to the next buck or the next deal or the next customer. But for every time you say yes, my argument in the book is you should probably be saying no four times. Like 80% of your time should have the confidence to say, you know what, this is going to work out. I got to focus on that one yes, not the, not the five yeses or four no's. 
and and really dig down on and why you're saying yes and, and knock that out of the park. Because when we scatter ourselves and spread ourselves too thin, the five yeses become like five ugly examples of doing things well. So they're not. It's the irony again. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm with Greg too. And essentialism is a is a great fab book. Okay, good. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm I'm really stoked to read your books because it sounds like we're talking the same uh, the same thing. How about you, Dave? What's uh, like you're busy as heck. I see you, uh, but you you've always seemed to be able to get the workouts in in the mornings. Well, you know where my mind goes is I mean part part of the value I think of of um, for me of coaching is you try you try to you have to try to emulate what you're supporting in someone else right because <laughs> because they have no you know like just you have no credibility right so it's actually I don't know what you think with this um, Dan but I think it's it's a real gift because it kind of forces you to say, well, if, if I'm encouraging others to do this, you know, I, I can't fall victim to it myself or I have to work my hardest. And that's not to say I'm, I'm far from being perfect. Um, but I find what I find really interesting is I think some some of us, you know, sometimes you can become uncomfortable with that extra time in your calendar, Dan, because you're thinking somehow we've, you know, and I, I'll, I'm guilty of this, um, equate it to, um, you know, like busy somehow is is there's a, they feel like it correlated to being productive, which is not always the case. Yeah, it's a lie most in most cases. Yeah. What 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 are your thoughts on that, Dan? Well, uh, back to sort of the the drinking comment from before, right? You got to drink your own champagne, so to say. Right. And if if you're not emulating or demonstrating whatever it is that a leader ought to be doing, you know, in your case, a coach. Uh, in other cases, uh, the leader of teams, right? Leader of people. Like <laughs> you're you're a hypocrite. Right, and I, and I see this all the time in the in my first book called Flat Army, which my middle child says I should write another book called Fat Army for all the fat people. But that's another story. <laughs> um, on in Flat Army, I came up with this term called Atna, all talk, no action, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what we're getting at here, right? When you're an Atna as a leader, a coach, a, a mentor, someone people look up to, and you say one thing and then either do the other or don't do anything about it. You're a complete hypocrite. And the, the organizations of today are full of hypocrites, sadly. It's, 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 it's shocking, actually, to see, isn't it? When, when you know, I remember uh, walking and working with a, an executive asked me to come and work with the leadership team, and, and, uh, and, and he informed me um, before we got rolling that, you know, he wasn't going to be part of it. And I, I, like, it was obviously the, the the service didn't continue because it didn't make any sense, right? Because well, you're the leader right. of the team; you have to be involved in the team coaching. It doesn't, I don't, you know. But I was, but I was surprised to to, to see that, and then maybe more surprised to hear that that's not an uncommon thing. Um, and I guess you would have been exposed to that in 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 your corporate experience, maybe more than I I had ever been exposed to it because I just remember being shocked by it. <laughs> well, and, and I want to pick up on something else you, you touched on, which we glossed over, which was, you know, that, that uncomfortableness um, of, of the pregnant pause, of not doing anything, of like having this time on your calendar. Right. And again, so I'll answer this two ways. When I see leaders and executives and organizations, well, the ones that might have that or have built that in, yeah, they're looking over their shoulder to be whacked because the CEO or someone from the CSU are like, oh, you're not busy or you're not doing something. Why not? Like, go do something. It's as if thinking is, is a detriment to the health of the organization. 
Right. In fact, it's the complete opposite. Right. So here, here's the story. Everyone, well, I hope you guys know about Darwin, right, and theory of evolution and mm-hmm. the origin of species. Mm-hmm. So there he is hanging out on an island for not that long a time, right, just a few months or so. What's the time that lapsed between his observations on the Galapagos and, and other places he visited and the publish of that work? Do you have any idea? None. No idea. 23 years. Really? Wow. Really? And everyone, no one knows that. So everyone thinks, oh, Darwin went on an island, quickly observed things, and right. said, oh, here's the origin of species and the theory of evolution. Right. But it took thir- 23 years of ruminating, of marinating, of testing, of thinking. And, and to me, that's one of the classic examples that executives today, okay, you don't need to take 23 years to make a decision per se, but... You know, sometimes you have to actually look back to history and say, well, how did they used to do it? How did the philosophers in the Greek agora think? Well, they went around pontificating with one another with milk crates for days on end. And then they're like, yes, this is, this is, our, this is, our, this is our answer. This is what we came up with. But today we're like machine guns with our calendars and our actions, and we're not allowing ourselves those pregnant pauses. So I think there's a stigma to answer your question fully, in the organization, if you're not doing anything, you're considered lesser class and not a leader. You know what's? You know what? It's fat. Like actually, I'm kind of reflecting. That's a really interesting point. Like I'm just reflecting on sometimes some of my. Well, Greg and I are part of. Um, uh, as this is just an example. We're part of a initiative called the Million Dollar Pledge, and it was born out of an idea. That um, and, and it's and it's how we as small businesses get together and pledge a million a million dollars um, uh, over a period of time to the United Way. But it's almost like a social impact giving group, and they measure they monitor how the how the impact of the give, and and uh, and, and we help direct it. And it's almost like we have a investment club. Um, so um, and it's you know it's just not like a, a revolutionary idea, but it was but the idea was came about. And I find most of ideas that I have that have any any value usually when I'm not working, right? When I'm doing something, and ironically, it was when I'm exercising. Usually, is what I find, you know. And 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 in fact, um, you know, like I, I can't imagine someone would ever pay me to go exercise, right? To generate ideas, but but probably that's where my best thinking happens. If I if I'm if I'm really honest with myself, for me, it's when I'm drinking, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, that you are good. When you, you're always drinking, so well, I, I, I think Dan and I to, need to hang out. <laughs> I, I think you need the beer mile. Then you can mix two birds with one stone, right? Actually, that is a good idea. But it, but you know, isn't that, isn't that funny though? That you know, like the, well, you you start to recognize where your your best thinking happens, hundred percent, and ideas, and you know, and I, I like you know, you talk about creativity, judgment, and action, right? So you know, a great mm-hmm. idea has to have action. Um, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, but we somehow limit our ability to think. So, so when you when you're working with someone or, um, and and really helping them get find the space and find the time to be you know to to, to be creative and to to think deeply, um, you know how what are what are the paths to doing that? How do you? So part of it saying no, but it, like what what are some um, tips that you would give to people um, to support that being accountable to it and actually you know actually putting it into place. Yeah, the first one is a time audit, right? I think people need to audit their use of their own time. And I'm talking, like, also, no one really knows how many hours there are in a week. There's 168 hours, gentlemen, in a week. I think there's 168. So you got to do an audit. Yeah. Do the audit. Like, how much are you actually sleeping? 
you know, I, I don't subscribe to the theory you only need four hours of sleep a night. That's just utterly ridiculous. So how much are you sleeping? How much are you spending with family? How much are you exercising? How many times are you in meetings, hour-wise? You know, how much? Anyway, do a time audit. Mm. Um, and then and then I think it's fair to say that uh, after that time audit, time audit then you're going to start thinking about what are the new habits that you're going to establish. So are you going to block off Friday afternoons, for example? Are you going to then insert fitness time? Um, what's your reading schedule like? You know, I, I find that people have stopped long reads, whether they are books or, you know, articles that are more than 600 words with seven listicles of how to brush your teeth better every morning. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and actually ask yourself those behaviors. Like, what are, what's going to make me smarter, better, more efficient, more productive, and ultimately, gentlemen, happier? You know, I loved your Night Away story. My second book's called The Purpose Effect. I think that we've also lost the plot on what is the purpose of life and the purpose of work. Is it to make money solely? Or as you're analyzing your calendar, are you thinking about ways in which to give back? Because when we figure out ways in which to give back to the community and allocate some time in which to do so from a volunteer and or money perspective, guess what? You know, your heart beats a little stronger and that strength in your heartbeat then fuels the depth of your soul. Like you become a better person and then you just have a skip in your step. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you're 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 totally right, man. Like in 2019, I've I've said it uh, with conviction is is the year to reduce chaos. I said that to you, didn't I, Dave? You have. And chaos to me is my calendar, Dan. It's <laughs> so you're, you're you're speaking to uh, to clearly an unconfident uh, a CEO here because confidence is able to say no, and uh, this is the year to say no. And it's interesting too when I look at my own projects and development, the ones you know I was excited for at the, at the beginning of this podcast. I just made a decision. I've got about fifteen development slates. I need to boil those down to one in in each vertical, right? Because it's not other people all the time that's that's building out your calendar. It's you with projects that you don't have capacity for. You know, so that's a practice to it as well. I think a lot of us do this to ourselves. It's uh, not about saying no to other people, but sometimes no to cool ideas that come up. Well, you know what? That's a freebie. We are here to give. I'm Canadian. My purpose statement, my friend, is we're not here to see through each other. We're here to see each other through. And if through this I could give you that semblance of order for you to disable chaos from your calendar, my work is done here, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a really inspiring marching beat behind that that last few sentences. Like that, that's a clip that needs music behind it. Right <laughs> yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Just make sure make sure it's a tragically hip, and I'm cool with it. Okay. Yes. We'll put courage. <laughs> yeah. There, there we go. go. There we go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so so but I, I mean, there's a number of ways for people to reach out to you. Um, let let listeners know how they can learn more. Or they could book you as a speaker. They can read your your books. They can. I, it sounds like they could hire you as a coach potentially. Um, so what what's the best way for people to contact you, Dan? God, I'd love to be Madonna, where I just say Google Dan, but that probably won't work, will it? Not um, yet. You're close, though. Actually, we can do it right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, the easiest way is probably just my own website. You'll have to learn how to spell my last name. So it's www.danpontefract.com, D-A-N-P-O-N-T-E-F-R-A-C-T.com. Awesome. Okay, and we are literally Googling Dan right now. Let me see here what pops up. So, Dan, the very first thing... It says uh, Bridge Breaker. Yep. 
bridge breaker. Yes. Coach, <laughs> author. <laughs> no, interesting. The uh, the the very first, and it doesn't even look like it's a sponsored. Uh, uh, yeah, the very first is Dan Divers Alert Network, Scuba Diving and Dive Safety Association. That you, won the Google for the day for the gotta, Dan. You got to take them off, Dan. You got to get. The, you got to kill those guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, need to, I need to buy some more AdSense quickly. Don't but I? do you know what else is interesting? Speaking about uh, Canadian music, Dan Mangan is on uh, page one of Dan. That's kind of cool. Well, I am on February 14th going to see Dan in Victoria. I love that guy. Get out. That's great. He, I, I believe yep. he's playing in Fredericton next week at Shivering Songs Festival. So isn't that you enjoy that, uh, my friend? That's going to be uh, a beautiful concert. Thank you. Valentine's Day with me and the missus. Looking forward to it. But <laughs> not as much as having so much fun with you gentlemen in this podcast. Thank awesome, Dan. <laughs> thanks so much, man. Have a great one, and thanks for your Good generous enough. time today. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks, Take care. Dan. Take care. Bye. That was great. Yeah, he. You know what? You know what I really <laughs> he's like. Funny. He's, I like he's, he, well, he's provocative, and I like that. You know what I mean? And he, he's clearly a deep thinker. Like, I mean, he's. I love. Uh, I love what he's talking about. You know, and and just you know, like this, like very practical. I mean, I'm, and I'm guessing. I'm guessing, um, and we'll have to read his book. But I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident to say I bet you he's got a bunch of nuggets. But think of the time audit that he describes. Mm. The value of the time audit now. That, and that's something that, you know, when, when you know, is a, is a really excellent exercise. And, you know, when you could do it, especially because your, 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 you know, your calendar is very accurate, right? So you could look over the, you could, you oh, could look yeah. at the end of this month and say, how am I doing in January? And you could actually compare that to how you were doing last, you know, November or January of 20, you know what I mean? Like as a comparable, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, I just think that's brilliant. And then, you know, and then when you think of your time, ha- you know, what are those new habits? And so anyways, I love I love the very practical uh, examples. He, it was something I didn't get a chance to touch on with him. And something I hear, uh, and I've experienced myself, but I hear as a coach and I've experienced being a, a client and, and having working with my own coach, is um, a lot of the value that people describe being derived from the coaching is the fact that it's permission, they, they, they give themselves permission to put you in their calendar if you're the coach or if I'm working yeah. with my coach, that coach in my calendar for that hour or whatever time it is to actually stop and reflect. And it's just the very, so, so it's not, you know, and it's not to say the coaching isn't valuable, but, but it's just, but part, a massive amount of the value is just the very act of slowing down yeah. and having someone, uh, um, you know, at, and I'll speak as a client now, you know, try to f- help me figure out, well, what, what is the, what is the burning question that I want to answer? And then having me reflect and having me think and having me slow down and then reframe, helping, you know, ask questions or reframe my thinking. And, um, it's 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 brilliant, and it's it's connected to I think um, this I this you know what Dan's um, writing about and open to think, you know is is uh, so the very nature of it forces it, and so if people have you know if they're if you know they work with us as retainers, but they'll have us built into a calendar possibly every week, yeah, and uh, and I and you know and it's because I mean it's great that that's the opportunity, but you know I guess to Dan's point we should be building more time in mm-hmm. and giving ourselves more permission to slow down, to be reflective, right? You yeah, know? Completely. Because you're right. You, you were saying your most creative times is when you're working out and nobody's going to pay you to go, hey, Dave, go go work out for a couple hours and come up with some ideas. I love what you said there because uh, I relate. You know, for me, Probably it's... Probably when you're surfing or sailing. Yeah, or, totally. And you know what I, I find, you know, taking it back to physical activities, when I'm swimming because I'm underwater and there's no distraction. 
at all and when i when i do lanes and um i i oftentimes I, i'm not being creative but i'm solving problems when i'm swimming but um i am being creative when i'm listening to music and jogging it's mm. it, it's di- i i i notice different ways of thinking mm-hmm. uh which is really interesting uh, in a way cuz yeah so i so with that in mind i find it's that much easier to maintain a regular exercise if you know that not only does it make me feel better and something I should do, um, you know, after the fact, you know, when I don't know anyone that wakes up and goes, oh, I really want to work out. You know, I, I don't, maybe there's a couple people, but it's a small percentage of the population. Most people go, oh, I got to get this done, right? I'm one of those people. I got to get this done. But what, but then if I, if I think about the time I'm going to spend and I connect it to, oh, you know what? I want to think through whatever, or I just want my mind to go blank or whatever I want to do. It's almost easier to build that time because mm. you because you see this you know I mean t- I always describe it as um, it's it's also gonna be your mental health strategy. My gosh, yeah, 100%. you know what I mean. And and this, this is the last thing I'm gonna say about this. There's so many of these books, leadership books, and uh, ideas out there that support us, the CEOs, the entrepreneurs, the head of the states, right? But this stuff applies to employees just as much. You know, so as we think about our employees, it's like, why are we letting their calendars get filled up? You know, so it, it, it's a full company culture discussion. Yeah. And uh, actually, it's a really good, that's a really good point. Yeah. And it's something maybe to f- reflect on a little bit. Um, like, like just my, my time in, in Scandinavia, like, or Italy, for example. When I was working in Italy, everybody stopped for like an hour and a half, two hour lunch. Um, they had, Appropriate breaks, like, like it's it's just such a lax environment, but they're crazy efficient, and effective, hmm. you know, because they're healthy and they're happy, and they're they've not, got a, a step to their step. They're not grinding. Their step. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's all good uh, thoughts, Dave. Very good. Okay. Um. Thank you thank, for thank you. being you. Thanks for being you, Dave. And um. And I find purpose in this stuff. So uh, let's keep mm. rocking. And I think you won the uh, good question contest today. Oh yeah, there's yeah. a couple. <laughs> I was keeping track. See you, Dave. See ya. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.